Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to Get It Off Your Breasts. It's me, Emma Gannon. This is a very special one-off episode. My co-host, Leanna Bird, is away today, but you'll be hearing her in the full episode. So a bit about this special episode. It's World Breastfeeding Week, and my co-host, Leanna, had a baby four months ago, which is very exciting and lovely. And she really wanted to highlight um, World Breastfeeding Week and cover some topics related to breastfeeding, with some other mums, some other very lovely friends of hers that you might know too. They cover public shaming when it comes to breastfeeding, attitudes towards women and our bodies in general, the political and economical issues surrounding breastfeeding, the media and how it reports on stories around breastfeeding, and health, and so, so much more. So we hope you enjoyed this episode. We hope that you'll share it and uh, send it around to your friends if you want to go on twitter and use the hashtag world breastfeeding week then go ahead and thank you again for all your support of the podcast we can't wait to see you again soon my name is liana bird and we are doing a very special episode this week a breastfeeding special. Get it off your breastfeedings. Um, this is because we... Get it out your breasts. <laughs> get it out your breasts. Get it off your lactating breasts. Get it off your big milky breasts. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is uh, to coincide with World Breastfeeding Week, which kicks off on the 1st of August and goes on until the 7th. I'm really, really lucky to be joined um, by two incredible ladies today. Um, Kate Quilton and Clemmie Burton-Hill, uh, two broadcasting absolute talents out there but also new mums and just to kind of introduce how this came about this podcast we actually set up a little whatsapp group um about eight of us ladies most of us who are also broadcasters who are all having babies within a couple of weeks and months of each other uh, just to kind of give that level of support and it's been it's been so amazing I mean I really relied on it so much and it's so nice to finally have three of us at least together to talk about uh, some of our experiences over the past few months since we've had our baby so hello Kate and hello Clemmie hello Liana thank you so much for having us thank you hello and you might hear little snuffles from little people because our babies are both here aren't they Clemmie we've got some very (laughs) special guests Today. Tiny little special guests. Um, so what we thought we'd do this week, and I do hope that anyone listening um, doesn't feel that they have to be a mum themselves or indeed even a parent um, to enjoy this, because whilst we will be focusing on breastfeeding, the issues we're going to cover, they you know they really have such wider scope. We're going to be talking about you know it touches upon attitudes towards women, it talk, touches upon politics, economics, health. Um, there's so much that we're going to be talking about, and of course a lot of our own personal experiences as well. well the other reasons that we really wanted to um, do this podcast was well firstly because many of us had these kind of 3am 4am 5am moments when we'd be whatsapping each other on our group 
And um, we'd be listening to podcasts ourselves, right? And I, I, I was sort of sitting there and, and a few of us, in fact, one of the other girls on our group, um, who's a, a doctor, Kazi, said, you know, we should do something, a podcast to other women who are sitting up late at night, something to listen to. Um, but also... Um, you're not alone, sister. You're not alone, if you happen to be listening to this late at night. Um also, um, there was a, a study published by Lancet a couple of years back, which showed that um, the UK is actually has the lowest rates of breastfeeding in the entire world, which I don't know about you ladies, but I, I found that quite surprising. Um, yeah, at age one, we have the lowest rates on the whole planet, which is astonishing considering where we're at when it comes to other healthcare. And... Uh, you know, I know one-year-old may seem a little bit old to some people, but pretty much from dot up to one, our rates are really, really low. And at six weeks old, only 32% of babies in the UK are breastfed. Yeah. So so just to put a little bit of extra context into that, um, at a year old in the UK, it's only one in 200 babies that still have breastfeeding, so 0.5%. Whereas if you look at a country like Senegal, it's 99.4%. Or um, Gambia, 98.7. So there's obviously... Just to jump in there, there are lots of cultural factors for that, of course. And some people will say, you know, that's because women in the Gambia and Senegal don't have access to clean water and they don't have access to sterilisation. And they certainly don't have, like, nice handy bottles of formula that they can just, you know, mix up for their babies. But I think that what is going on here is actually there's so many complex intersecting factors as to why Britain does have such low breastfeeding rates. And as you say, Kate, it's so mind-boggling given that, you know, in many other ways, we are quite still near the top of the tree when it comes to other medical um, advances and things. It's not like we're an undeveloped country. And I think by six months, only 1% of British babies are breastfed, according to the latest stats that I read. Is that exclusively? Yeah, yeah. exclusively. And I think what we should establish from the outset is that this is not a discussion that is intended to judge anybody for the choices that they make. And it's certainly not intended to make people feel bad if they don't breastfeed or if they decided not to or if they've had problems doing so. Um, I'm already jumping in here. You haven't even Mm. asked me what I want to get off my breast. But it's basically this, that... If a woman makes an informed decision that she doesn't want to breastfeed her baby, that is totally fine by me. I don't care how you feed your child. Like, it's not a problem. You do you. But I think what I've seen, and this is my second baby, again and again and again, is women who are utterly heartbroken and go through so much distress and emotional and physical and hormonal trauma because they find breastfeeding so difficult because no one talks about how difficult breastfeeding is. Everyone just focuses on how difficult childbirth is that they feel that they can't breastfeed or they stop breastfeeding because for various reasons they start introducing formula early on and their supply goes down and they can't the baby might perhaps not be able to latch all of those things and then those women those amazing hard-working incredibly dedicated mothers feel like they've failed and my my sort of feeling here is that it's not the women who are failing it's the women who are being failed mm. Both my babies have really struggled to latch. And as you can see from these thighs, you know, this baby is not starving. But it's been really difficult both times for me to breastfeed. Um, But I feel incredibly lucky because I had tons of support. I had a mum who'd been a breastfeeding counsellor when she was 
you know, a few decades ago and back in the day. Um, first time around with my first son, um, my sort of stepmother had been a doula and she was incredibly supportive as well because I got home from hospital with my first son not really being able to latch. And the hospital were very chilled about it. They were like, oh, just express some colostrum and, you know, it'll all be fine as if breastfeeding can just happen. Because mm-hmm. that's what we're fed, aren't we? We're fed this image of, like a, of a baby just, like, shimmying up the tummy and, like, finding the boob and latching on. Like, it's all just the easiest, most natural thing in the world. And my experience is so different from that it was incredibly unnatural it felt incredibly difficult and it was you know wrenchingly agonizing we'll get to the pain of breastfeeding as well in a minute but I that first midwife who came round to my house after my son was born no doubt was very well-meaning but she said to me what do you mean you've only been expressing colostrum have you not given him a proper feed and I said well I can't you know he's I'm really struggling and she was like so you haven't given him formula yet and I said not not yet no he's 24 hours old and she went you're in danger of brain damaging your child unless he has a proper feed and I was so traumatized because I was trying to establish breastfeeding rather than saying to me can I can I help can I see him try and latch can I give you some positioning tips all of those things she made me feel so guilty because I hadn't given him formula and he was 24 hours old and I know I'm not alone in that and if I hadn't had tons of support around me who were like don't worry just keep at it you'll get there I probably wouldn't have been able to Mm. and also like I'm lucky look at me I'm a privileged white middle-class woman who both times has been able to pay for a lactation consultant because god bless the NHS and god bless NHS midwives but I know at I have said I've been, you know, on the on the, in tears, like on my knees, going, I'm really struggling with this. I'm really struggling with this. I'm really struggling with this. Mm. And although they talk a good talk because they put all this pressure on women that breast is best and all the rest of it, the support just isn't there. And I'm not blaming the midwives and I'm not blaming the NHS, but something is going wrong because British women, no doubt women in other nations as well, but British women are not feeling that they've got that support and therefore they're struggling with breastfeeding. Of course, when you've got an, a midwife saying, you know, they're dropping their ba- their birth weight and they need to get up their birth weight and we've got to tick this box and they're losing weight, they're losing weight, they're losing weight, they're losing weight, then you go, oh God, okay, well, I'll give them formula. And the trouble, there's no problem with giving formula if that's what you've decided you've made an informed choice to do. But if you are trying to establish breastfeeding and you start introducing formula, then you're going to have more difficulty establishing breastfeeding. That's just categorical fact mm. because it is a supply and demand issue. So this this is one of the things that really I didn't realise until I had a baby is that, you know, and as you say, you focus so much on the birth, which obviously is this huge event and it's really scary and daunting and all the rest of it. So of course, it's to- only natural that we all want to read a thousand books or speak to a thousand people about the birth. Um, but no one really tells you th- that much much how to about how to prepare for breastfeeding or about what kinds of things you might come across so I don't know about you guys but you know obviously Clemmy this is your second baby but this is my first I thought with breastfeeding that it was a case of you can or you can't so I thought either like some women unfortunately their breasts just can't produce the milk or some babies just can't latch on which can also of course happen but I didn't understand that there are so many other things including like psychological and emotional things and as you said like as a new mom you just want to feed your baby and you want your baby to be healthy and I had a situation with my baby where she wasn't quite regaining her weight as quickly as they'd hoped and it turned out 
I figured out because you know with babies you basically spend your life trying to play detective and work out what the hell's going on or what what they want and need um, it was to do with the fact that she was getting trapped air in her tummy and burps and she was struggling to burp so she'd burp and I'd think she'd burp but she hadn't enough and so she couldn't get she was sort of screaming in, in agony kind of when I was trying to put her in position and I thought oh god she's just screaming because she hates it and she doesn't want to feed and all the rest so I again like you Clemmy, I was really really lucky I could afford to have a lactation consultant come over watch a feed for an hour and really help us and that was just one thing I mean literally every couple of weeks there's a new thing turning up but it's it's a it's a psychological pressure on you because you're kind of going oh god I'm doing it wrong or god they're not doing it. and you just don't no one tells you there's so many things there's so many reasons for a baby to fuss at a breast there's so many reasons that aren't you know talked about like could be that your letdown's not coming so your milk's not flowing fast enough or it's enough, flowing too fast or it's flowing too fast or it just wants to swap boobs or you know or it's got trapped air or it's got a tummy ache you know or it's got a tongue tie or you know so, and, and no and myriad reasons no one talks about these now, things those aren't reasons that actually prevent you from being able to breastfeed but they are reasons that make you need support mm-hmm. and you know we were really lucky we could pay you know it cost me 115 quid to have a lactation consultant come around literally within four minutes she had identified the problem with this baby and it was about positioning and it was about latch and it certainly didn't get nailed straight away but it helped me so much 115 quid if you're on maternity leave like that is not an insignificant amount of money and that's like just the going rate she was worth every single penny but I was so lucky that I felt empowered not only that I could literally pay for that uh, and you know that still felt like a lot of money for me on maternity mm. leave. So you know, and I'm lucky I I could afford it, but also just that I felt I need help really early on because if I don't get help, then this is all going to go to pot. And I think that's what makes me saddest when I meet people who say I desperately wanted to breastfeed, but I just couldn't. Um, it's so not can I... you say like exhausting all those options. There are the, the percentage of like anatomical breasts that literally cannot feed are so minute, but it's so much harder than anyone ever tells you. So can I ask, so there's three of us in the room now, obviously a very small sample here, but um, have you, Kate, ever thought, was there moments when you thought, I, I can't do this anymore. I need to. I need to quit, or it's not working, or whatever else. Because I, I certainly have. And Clemmy, you obviously had those moments where you just like, I obviously can't do it, or it's not working, and it's just I'm going to have to just yeah stop w- without wanting to stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definite, definite moments like that along the way. Like we had a right old time of it, and um, I'm in a bit of a unique position. Well, since I've found out, I didn't. I didn't. I thought that this was the same for every woman, but in my borough in London. Uh, we have a fantastic breastfeeding support team, okay, and it's, I think it's the only borough in London where that is funded. So there's a lot of money that's put into breastfeeding, which is very rare. I mean, it's literally almost sets the gold standard, and yet that doesn't happen anywhere else in the country. Which borough is it? So I live in Tower Hamlets. Mm. And Big it up for Tower Hamlets. So yeah. what, what was brilliant is that I think pretty much... Most women, as they leave the hospital, will get a call from this team, seeing how you're getting on. And I got a phone call, I think the day after I left hospital, from the breastfeeding support team saying, how are you getting on? And at that point, I was like, well, you know, it hurts. But I just thought it was meant to hurt. And she said, oh, yeah, that's probably just the initial OOR. I said, okay, all right, then. Well, if I've got any problems, I'll give you a ring, like, you know, later in the week. Anyway, the next day, I got a knock at the door. I was like, who's that? You know, belly dress, boobs out, still trying to breastfeed, on the brink of kind of bleeding. They were pretty sore, my nipples. Anyway, 
the lady that I spoke to on the phone had just turned up at my door, right? And I said, what are you doing here? And she said, yeah, I shouldn't be here. I just wrote down the wrong address. But anyway, totally by chance, she turned up at my door and I said, well, as you're here, you may as well watch me breastfeed. She'd made a mistake. Anyway, the first moment she saw my nipples, she was like, babes, you got a big problem. We need to sort this out. Your nipples are a mess. But I just thought that's what they were like. And mm. I thought, oh, it takes going through this horrible, oh, really painful you. few days or week. She says, no, 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 you've got problems. And thankfully, this angel turned up at my door. She actually visited me three times in the end of my house. Amazing. All, all paid for, you know, it's a service in the borough. So and fantastic. We, we discovered that we had a little, well, uh, my little baby has a tongue tie. And so we had to deal with that. And we had positions. And that's when the tongue's like attached. So the little a membrane underneath the tongue is kind of too attached to the bottom. So it can't quite move. They can't quite move their tongues yeah. in the right yeah. motion. And it can leave you with very sore nipples. I mean, nipples that look and feel as if you've taken a cheese grater to them, really. Mm. That's the statement. And it can also, so, so my baby also had a little tongue tie and, and what that led to was a clicking. So when she was sucking, she was sound, which was letting in air, which is why she was getting all the trapped air in her belly. So again, it's, and it's, it's, you almost want to cry when someone tells you what it is because you're so relieved and you go, oh, okay, we can, we can work this out now and things can get better. And, you know, it's not, there's no magic solution. It's not like you go and you, you get the tongue tie sorted and suddenly everything's absolutely amazing for everyone. Some, some, some people it might be, but it's just knowing that, you know, it's not just you and it's not just them and, you know, that there's, there's something you can work towards. It's so huge. And again, I remember um, moments, as with both of you, I mean, you're lucky, Kate, you live in a borough, obviously, where it's free support. Clemmy, you paid for someone. I, I paid for a lactation consultant as well. But when they said these things to you, and I remember crying one night because I was like, how many other women out there don't get to hear this advice and therefore just suffer through it? And therefore their babies also suffer in some ways through it because they're both unhappy and you're sleeping less because if you're not feeding enough, you're not sleeping enough and you're just miserable Then you're you know, you can, that can lead to postnatal depression and there's sleep deprivation. There's so many things. I, I remember um, a lactation consultant, she, she watched us feeding and she said, oh, why don't you try tilting her head back a little bit? And so I tilted the head back and you could just hear suddenly from sort of trying to suck through, it's almost like trying to suck milk through a very kind of tiny straw. It suddenly went to a nice glug, 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 glug. And I was like, oh, tiny. tiny. And I was like, okay, now she's suddenly drinking much more perfume before she falls asleep because she's knackered, which means she had nice sleep for a nice, nicer amount of time before her next feed which meant I could get some sleep which meant I felt like a normal human being again and I was and like I feel like you're able to tackle it whereas you're not in that like desperate trench yeah. of like emotional hormonal physical crisis whereby of course if the formula is there and we can talk in a minute about you know the the sort of the formula lobby which is incredibly powerful of course you're going to feed your baby that because you're so stressed and you need yeah. to feed your baby. But I just remember bursting into tears because I was like, I, I think how many women didn't get that advice and have therefore suffered for, for months and months and months, but possibly with, with issues. Um, I'm just going to push through because, you know, the pressure on women to breastfeed as well. In, in some occasions, you do put a lot of pressure on yourself as well. And for some women, actually, it just isn't right for whatever reason um, for them and the baby. And they feel guilt. Decision yeah. that they make. Exactly. And that's one thing. But what I mean is there's, a, there's, there's just a lot of guilt on women as well yeah. to do the perfect thing, whether it's to formula feed or breastfeed. You just always feel like, am I doing it enough? Am I doing yeah. it wrong? You know. At um, what is the most vulnerable time in your life, yeah. I'd say as well. Absolutely. De- definitely. You go home from the hospital and you have this new life that you're responsible for. And you're and just no like, manual. 
how the hell do or too many manuals or too, too many, many books yeah. do this don't do this do that don't yeah. do that but this all lack of the judgment support, totally the lack of support is a national issue and i've spoken to women because recently i've been making a program for channel four about the issues around breastfeeding and examining why our rates are so low when you compare us to other countries mm. and what you discover is that do you know what it really, really isn't the responsibility of individual mums. It's not about that at all. It's not whether they decide to do one thing or another. You find that you start to unpack it and you find that actually lots of women want to breastfeed and they can't because of issues around the lack of support chiefly. And then there are other issues around, you know, shame when you're out and about and you want to breastfeed publicly. But, um, but the big thing that I just really want to reiterate is that this is not down to individual mums because breastfeeding is a really, really hard thing to yeah. do. I think of it, Clemmy, I'm saying it to you because you play instruments and I do too. I honestly think it's like learning to play an instrument and I've just, and it's like both of you are trying to learn and it can take a really long time and you have ups and downs. You think, yes, we've nailed it. And then a week later, you'll just hit the skids again and you'll be like, Jesus, my nipples are absolutely yeah. buggered. They're raging. And no one can wrong. describe the level of that agony. I mean, I've been really lucky to have two natural childbirths and I tell you, natural childbirth is a walk in the park <laughs> compared to breastfeeding for me. Not everyone. You know, my mum didn't have a problem breastfeeding. She found it really natural and really easy. And of course she had sore nipples, but she she didn't have... I had something called rain, or I have something called vasospasm, which basically comes about in the same way that um, people get Raynaud's disease, which is when you don't get the circulation back to say your fingertips. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a cold place, they go really, really white. And without wanting to get too technical um, and gross, what was happening first time around, particularly with my son, was that his latch was so bad that his, he was sort of damaging my nipple, essentially, and the blood flow was not coming back through to the nipple. So it would be like as if you were like walking around with your tits out on Everest the entire time. Oh. Excruciating agony. And when you're factoring in that like chronic level of like real physical pain all day, every day, in addition to all of the emotional turbulence of what it is to be a new mother, all of the hormonal turbulence, all of the physical turbulence, the domestic turbulence, sleep you know, deprivation, the sleep deprivation, you know, it's all worth it, but it's a, you know, it, those are some crazy times those yeah. first few weeks. Um, and I just, you know, you're in, you're in so much pain and, and this isn't the case for everybody and that's wonderful and quite a few of my friends haven't had problems, but most people that I speak to have had some form of issue with breastfeeding and most women who have stopped breastfeeding, you know, before the World Health Organization or NHS recommended guidelines and we should, you know, let's just talk about them again. World Health Organization exclusive breastfeeding until a year is what they recommend so i think no, it's not, six, not, they recommend two, two no right. so they well, they actually they say exclusive breastfeeding to six months and then continue as in, no as in no nothing else but breast milk yeah. um until six months and then from six months onward you introduce breast solid foods and, food. and you continue to breastfeed until two years that's yeah. the that's the recommendation again though you know and this is something really we we talked about before we started recording there are so many ben benefits of breastfeeding but it's hard to talk about them without seeming like like you are um, judging or making other women who've chosen not to or who couldn't or who felt they couldn't breastfeed feel shit about themselves and that should never be the case yeah. it shouldn't but it is important to also recognize that there are um, you know massive health benefits for mum and ba baby of breastfeeding um, and also 
economic benefits to the entire of our society because the NHS actually says, and I've got a little stats here, I try not to go too stats heavy, but um, 11 million pounds could be saved every year for the NHS by preventing infections and 30 million pounds by reducing the cases of breast cancer um, if more women were supported to breastfeed. That was a report by UNICEF. So there's a strong economic case as well for it. It is a radioactive topic, isn't mm. it, for a start? And you're so right about that judgment thing. I think there's this prevailing narrative in our culture that it's breastfeeding mothers who are the judges and often you know organizations that exist to support breastfeeding mothers are parodied in the kind of national conversation so la leche league or even the nct who i think were recently under quite a lot of pressure to come out and say that they supported women who chose to formula feed because there's this image of you know breastfeeding mothers being this kind of judging brigade and so i was expecting that to be the case and i was expecting you know that would be where the judgment lay and my experience has been the polar opposite mm. i have felt like you say liana more judged for breastfeeding because i worry that people are judge think that i'm judging them for not so complex mm. basically what this all boils down to is we should stop judging each other sisters and stop apologizing stop apologizing <laughs> but i have felt really really conscious especially once i got through the I had 10 weeks of absolute hell feeding my first son and then almost overnight it got better and by around 12 weeks it was so easy at that point. I'm so disorganised, I have a really hectic, chaotic schedule, I've never been a routine person for myself and I wasn't a routine kind of mum either. So for me it just became the easiest thing in the world to keep breastfeeding rather than being like, oh have I got the right amount of formula mm -hmm. out with me, have I got sterilised bottles, all of those things. By that stage, I really could just whip him on the boom and he would have a feed, having had 10, 11 weeks of absolute hell. But we got there, we made it. So I carried then on breastfeeding for ages because it was easier to do that than not. And also having fought through it that hard, it just, you know, why not, why not carry on? And I was so embarrassed and I felt ashamed of breastfeeding him in public when he got bigger because I felt like people were looking at a, like a bigger baby and being like, oh, what are you doing? Like, you know, and it, I think it boils down to that so many levels of like is she ju judging me because i'm whipping out a bowl of actamil and she's got her boob out and as i said before like fed is best i don't mind how you feed your baby as long as you've been empowered to make that choice mm. rather than being forced into it because you haven't been supported and and so often it isn't a choice so many of my friends when i ask them because i you know again i was really lucky you know hearing you guys talk about the pain i never had pain i was really lucky i didn't get mastitis i didn't get infections and you know i would have thought that meant yay brilliant we've got an easy ride but for me it was more psychological because it was the feeling of her kind of getting fussy and sort of agitated at the boob Again, trapped air, didn't know at the time. Um, but it was that psychological pressure of like, my baby's not gaining weight enough and I'm a bad mom and I'm not feeding it. But so many of my friends, when I spoke to them, the reason they gave up breastfeeding is because someone had said to them, or they had thought themselves, they weren't producing enough milk. And that is the thing. No one talks to you about breastfeeding. You can't see how much your baby's drinking. And it's a huge thing for so many women because when you give them a bottle of formula, there is something, or a bottle of express milk, and she's like, oh, God, that's a whole other thing you have to learn, like a science to how to express and keep the balance of supply and demand going in your boobs. So that's a whole other podcast. But anyway, there's something really nice about going, oh, well, it's had, you know, my baby has had 100 millilitres of milk. I know he's been well-fed. Well -fed. I can leave him to sleep now because, 
if he's crying it's not for food that's one thing it's psychologically very reassuring and when you're breastfeeding and you don't know how much they're taking there is this kind of slightly slight feeling that you can get of like oh what if they haven't had enough and if they wake or they kind of slightly stir or they cry you kind of oh i haven't given them enough and it's that constant beating yourself up of like i haven't given them enough food and so many of my friends were told your your boobs are not making enough milk you're not feeding your baby enough because if that was the case the human race would have died out and the science of breastfeeding is actually really, really simple. Everything else around it is complicated, but the science around it, the biology of it, is incredibly simple. It is supply and demand. So the more you feed your baby, the more milk you will produce. And it is not the case that you're failing, or your boobs are failing, or your body is failing because you haven't made enough milk. Mm-hmm. You know, there are people who are malnourished and starving in refugee camps who are making enough milk for their babies because that's just how the human body works. And probably people get really upset when they hear me say that. Yet again, I stress, this is not in any way a judgment of anyone who has stopped breastfeeding. This is a this is a rallying cry for there to be more support so that people understand that, because unfortunately it does mean that if you are in that level of agony and you want to keep breastfeeding, you've got to feed through that pain and you've got to feed through that difficulty. Replacing a feed with a bottle of formula is not the answer because the less you feed your baby, the less milk you're going to make and then you'll be locked in that negative cycle. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it's a positive cycle to have to keep putting your baby on a breast when you're in agony and your nipples feel like they've had razor blades shredding them or in my case, like they're frozen. They're so, so painful. Mm -hmm. They make you scream in agony. It's not pleasant, but if you can keep doing that and get through it, then you will make enough milk. And if you have somebody there who can tell you that and holding your hand totally then you get through it and that lack of support is in uh, it's interesting because yeah okay so where we're at now in terms of our society is that if you wound the clock back 100 years you know we would have been supported by you know we would have most likely lived near our mums and And grandparents (laughs) grandmums would have been down the road and you would have had more support from family members. And now, you know, people live all over the place. I mean, I'm lucky. My mum lives kind of an hour and a half down the road. So I see my mum a lot. Um, and she's breastfed a lot of babies herself. But um, but also, I think kind of, you know, our, even our mums. My mum breastfed me, but she only breastfed me until six weeks. And then the message then in the early 80s was, get your babies on formula. Yeah. Um, and she did that with four kids at six weeks. That was the point at which she got her kids on formula. But I suppose, yeah, basically, society's made up differently now, so support does have to be delivered in a different way. I was lucky. I, I had a lot of support where I lived. But that is very, very unique. And nationally, you've got people... I mean, I've spoken to girls in Blackpool who there is no money put into this at all um, and they've got zero support. One girl I spoke to, she said she could go to a breastfeeding support group that was two and a half hours away and she was like, when I've got a newborn baby that's a few days old, I can't put them in the car for a five hour round trip. And the same in places like Newcastle, you know, they've, they've got zero support. So they're leaving hospital and it's just like, get on with it. And so therefore, in order to feed your baby, you've got to got to go with the baby yeah. and talking about leaving hospital one thing that my mum always bangs on about is in my day we stayed in hospital for almost two weeks yes. by which time you just established breastfeeding basically that's what you did you sat there and you fed your babies and the, the hospital were right there on hand to help if you needed and you didn't have to run around 
worrying about, you know, here's another whole podcast, you know, bouncing back to your figure and like putting on Instagram the fact that you're already out and about and doing everything you don't, do. Don't, let's All not even things. talk about Kate Middleton. But you had a baby about a week before I came out of the hospital and I thought, oh, I'll be out of the hospital and like <laughs> makeup and a dress and heels. Heels and blow dry and all that. Absolutely not, babe. You'll be crawling oh, to your taxi. Wearing in a nappy. <laughs> yeah. And also, that formula lobby is very, very strong. Yeah. And it's really interesting to hear that your mum, you know, your mum felt like she had to get her babies off onto formula because that was the done thing. You know, and I know there was an, a whole other scandal around Nestle and baby. Well, I was going to say, obviously, it, in developing countries, somehow, yeah. I think this links into a bigger phenomenon and perhaps problem around women being, in general, disempowered from mm. their own bodies and from how frigging awesome the female body is. We're disempowered when it comes to childbirth. We all fear it and think that we can't possibly do it when actually we were built to do it, and it's you know we are awesome. Um, we're really disempowered from breastfeeding um, and there's often this idea of like well my milk's not good enough or I'm not good enough and here's this product that I can pay for mm -hmm. and that's what I should you know if I buy this then dot 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 I mean it, for me it kind of taps into a much wider problem which is that we are disempowered from and feel and body. feel not good enough and all the time and like we're failing and that there's this product out there that can replace you know, what we can do ourselves. Absolutely. And to touch on what you said earlier, Clemmie, about, you know, sisters, we're giving each other a hard time. You think, why are we doing that? And I think, really, if you look at some of the headlines that emerged recently around the whole thing with the Royal College of Midwives coming forward a couple of weeks ago in a press release saying, we are now going to support... Not that they never did before, but, but basically they are bolstering their support for mums that are feeding with formula as well as breastfeeding mums. Mm -hmm. The Daily Mail ran with a headline, the breastfeeding tyranny is over, front page. And you just think, oh, so that's where it is. Okay, exactly. Lots of headlines along those lines, which are incredibly divisive. They are pitting formula mums versus breastfeeding mums. Um, and that's happening and you think kind of on a very subtle level and then you just have to start thinking well why is that happening oh okay who pays for your daily mail oh advertising oh what are they advertising oh okay so you've got you know the mega kind of food companies that advertise in those newspapers and it just starts to kind of well it's big bucks isn't it I mean formula is big bucks and as you know you've touched upon there Clemmie you know the whole Nestle scandal but in particular in developing countries you know the ramifications of people pushing formula milk or formula powder on women who haven't got money who haven't got sterilisation kits and microwaves and all those things that are easy access water, yeah. it basically amounts to infant death which is what's been happening kind of yeah in developing countries we're protected in this country by the fact that there's a lot of regulation around advertising formula um, and you, you, you don't see it advertised so much, um, but that doesn't happen elsewhere in the world. And you can watch adverts that play in countries like India, where formula companies will tell you that your child will become a virtuoso violinist <laughs> if they drink this formula, etc., etc., or they will be a child genius, etc., etc. So people are saving what little money they have and buying formula to feed their kids. I just had a little shocking. a little factor actually as well, which was the re the report, this Lancet report I mentioned right at the start, said that near universal breast 
breastfeeding could save over 800,000 children's lives a year. And again, you know, we're talking about women who don't necessarily have access to clean water and sterilization kits and all the things that we are so privileged to here. But, you know, the, the serious ramifications here to this kind of quite cynical, well, very cynical lobby that, that does ex- exist. Um, Clemich, can I ask? Yes, go. The US Trump's administration wanted to block this um, amendment which is promoting, which the World Health Organization wanted to put in place so that all countries promote breastfeeding as the best way to feed your baby, right? For their long-term health. And the US wanted to block that, which is, I mean, to be honest, it's a bit bloody criminal. It was, I mean, they uh, ended up, what happened was then they got into a bit of a wrangle and the US, it's reported, even started to threaten their annual contributions to the World Health Organization. And you start to realize, well, why is this? Why are they not wanting to promote breastfeeding to all their new mums? And basically, it's an industry that's worth 70 billion a year. Always and comes down to money, always. a lot of money yeah. out of it. But also, meanwhile, women are feeling terrible about themselves. Yeah, yeah. And I have to say as well, as someone who, who luckily as we've all had, had the support to continue breastfeeding. But there were moments when I thought to myself, when she was, you know, had all this trap down, I thought to myself, I'm going to have to stop. The emotional and psychological effects on a mum stopping before she's ready are very underappreciated. It's huge. I felt heartbroken, genuinely heartbroken. And I'm aware that, you know, on the scale of problems in the world, that probably perhaps isn't, you know, up there. But for me personally, at that moment, in that sleep deprived moment with my baby feeling like a kind of failure, you know, I felt absolutely gutted. Um, and so to have that support and to be able to have got through that and continue what I chose to want to do was is, is huge. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss I want to turn to you Kate because um, just to have a slight I mean on obviously the same topic but a slight kind of change in direction what would you like to get off your milky currently breastfeeding breasts (laughs) I would love to get off my lactating titties right now just the fact that I think as a new mum breastfeeding In public, I have found it very challenging. I think, you know, when it comes down to looking at why are our rates so low in the UK, firstly, you've got the issue that Clemmy's raised about there is this lack of support. But then on top of that, if you do want to breastfeed and you're breastfeeding, kind of, you know, maybe you haven't got many problems and you feel quite comfortable going out and about and breastfeeding, that I think culturally 
we definitely have an issue with it for sure an mm -hmm. issue that i've experienced in my own home when i've had male visitors come and mm -hmm. see me an issue that i've experienced out and about in london um and you know i i've experienced i hear from other mums as well low-level harassment around breastfeeding in public which i'd like to add at this point that it is the law that you are allowed to breastfeed in public in the uk anywhere it's you want anywhere you want exactly on public transport in a cafe in a restaurant you can do it wherever you want you have the right to do it and yet there are people out there that have an issue with it that I've experienced firsthand. I mean, recently I was, I was breastfeeding in Victoria Park and I'd actually just finished breastfeeding at this point, but I was just playing with my little baby boy under a muslin, yeah? We were just kind of messing around, playing with him and these two ladies pushed their little shopping trolleys past me. So they were older ladies. And they stopped and they said, oh, I could hear them. They said, it's a funny old way to breastfeed, isn't it? Talking to each other. And I actually just popped out under this kind of big, big muslin. I said, I'm not feeding now. The boobs are away, but we're actually just having a little play. And I said, but if they were out, would you have a problem? And they were like, oh, yeah. It's not the place to feed a baby on the park bench. <laughs> I was like, really? I think it's a perfect place, actually. Lovely, yeah, sunny it's way day. weirder yeah. places. Yeah. <laughs> and I just thought, well, do you know what? I, you know, let's have a little chat about this and find out kind of what their issue is with it. I said, look, you know, what, what is the problem if I was breastfeeding here? And they just said, look, you know, we, we think you should be doing that indoors. And when I had my babies, I just breastfed at home. And they started to tell me about a girl that they just spotted in the pound shop breastfeeding earlier that day. And they were also pretty unhappy about that. But can I just say that if you then followed the World Health Organization guidelines and you chose to breastfeed your baby for up to two years, it basically means you'd have to just stay home for two years. That's what yeah, they want, I isn't know. it? Women and their children to be kept locked inside, indoors. locked away. I, I know, and that's because I think if people don't know about what breastfeeding is as well, I think they think that, no, you should have planned your visit out of the house around feet, you know, and that baby should have been fed before you left the house. And I just wish I could tell people, I mean, these are all thoughts that I probably had myself around, oh, well, baby feeds and then maybe you get three hours off. No, you don't, okay? So you just gotta feed on demand. And I mean, with my little boob mole, he maybe has a feed and then maybe has 10 minutes off and then maybe has a feed and we try and get out of the house and then he wants a feed yeah. as I've literally, I'm 100 meters from my house. And in this hot weather that we're having right now as well, they just want a little drink. It's just a little drink. It's like us having a sip of water mm. and it's and it's all they've got. It's all, it's all that's on offer. That really taps back into that idea as well of I haven't got enough milk to feed my baby. Because if you don't feed on demand, then you won't have enough milk to feed your baby. So breastfeeding kind of just does have to be done on demand in these early weeks and months particularly. Otherwise, there won't be enough. Which, as you say, Kate, means that you could be whipping out your boob at any point. There's so many different ways to feed your baby. And I actually, I mean, ev everyone feeds on demand in terms of you're never going to look at your baby who is hungry. No mom is going to say, I am not feeding you. You are not allowed milk now because it's not the right time. But 
I quite early on, I don't know why, because no, I'm like... Gina Ford says, <laughs> you have to do. <laughs> but I quite early on, I'm like weirdly the least routine person in my own life, but I was just like, right, I want to try and establish a routine. So I got taught some little tricks that helped my baby's feeds be bigger. Liana, you're like the, the routine. routine. No, routine I'm not, queen. I'm not, listen... Is. I'm Incredible. not. I'm not. I need those tips, baby. I'm not promoting this in any way because actually, I came here today. You two've got your lovely babies here, and I'm like, because I've got a certain routine in place, I'm a bit less flexible with my day in a way. I can plan more in a way, but I can do less flexibility. But I do know what times my baby will generally feed. Now, saying that, it shifts. So if she wakes up half an hour earlier or goes to sleep half an hour later, I don't have. I don't know, like ten o'clock, one o'clock, four o'clock. Because what if she goes to sleep at nine thirty and sleeps till ten thirty? I'm not going to wake her up for a feed. But I know generally, and I know when I've given her a feed, I make it a mega feed, and then she won't feed for about about another three hours. So you can do it different. And I'm not. Absolutely. No, listen, there, there are mean, pros and cons. Amazing. There's pros and cons to every approach. There really, so, okay, really are. I'm going to ask you this: have you, you, have you ever had to breastfeed on the tube? I haven't. No. I but, have. but, and the but, but, but Kate, can I just caveat <laughs> that by quite. saying, don't feel I'm superior in any way because I also don't really I have I'm not brave enough to take my baby out and about as much as you guys do like because I know her routine like I'm like right well she needs to be at home for her nice two-hour lunch nap so that means I'm limited in my day so I actually came this morning with you two your babies just walked under the arm and you just kind of oh pop them on the boot and I'm a bit jealous going like oh maybe I should have been less routine and it could have made me more flexible so I do think again it's so individual you do you I think the whole point is you've got to do what you need to do and what makes you feel calmer more in control whatever it is like yeah. as I said before like my thing is I'm so that would terrify me if I was kind of locked into a schedule I'd be really stressed by that so for me it's easier just to like whereas I, I, f- I felt that by having knowing when she'd be sleeping and eating I could then plan stuff in between so that was kind of my I don't know whether sense. I'd do it again if I had another child but um, it worked for it worked for us for this time so um, and again it, when I say routine it's been the most flexible way possible like it's a rhythm rather than routine so whatever time she wakes up in the morning I know approximately an hour and a half later she'll go to sleep sometimes it's two sometimes it's one so it's very very flexible so I don't want you to think it's like <laughs> you're both looking at me but what I was going to say anyway, back no, to the public like, show I'm looking at you thinking it's oh, like the holy grail no, no. Mean, it's, it is amazing no matter what way you've chosen there are always going to be times like you said when it's a very very hot day or when you know even if you have got a schedule it's thrown off when you just need to feed your baby because they're thirsty and like you said you're not going to deny a human being a drink of water because they're thirsty and no matter whether you have planned that, you know, as much as you can plan or you've, like like me, you know, you've tried to get some kind of a rhythm going throughout the day so you generally know, you will never be able to plan exactly when your baby's feeding. You just can't. And you can't deny a baby drink a drink of milk. So you have to be able to feed in public. You just do. Yeah. It's not possible to, to be indoors all the time for it unless you, like you said, stay indoors for two years. So there's this book that I've been reading recently, which I highly recommend to just everyone because it's a phenomenal book. Um, It's called Nobody Told Me by Holly McNish. And it's a mixture of poetry and also just her kind of thoughts and experiences of becoming a new mum. It's it's phenomenal. It's such an amazing book. But she talks in it quite a lot about why it's... Well, she she thinks she writes this this one chapter while she's sort of sitting in a public toilet in a smelly, dirty, disgusting public toilet, feeding her baby sitting on the loo because she's embarrassed to do it in public um, and feeling guilty to her baby that her baby basically has to smell shit whilst drinking her it's lunch or dinner or whatever it might be Um, and she wrote a poem and I just thought it was absolutely brilliant but she kind of talks about why we feel ashamed or why people get embarrassed for breastfeeding in public and she said it's not the boobs because 
boobs are everywhere. They're all around us. No one minds boobs. It's a baby sucking a nipple because we see sucking a nipple as, oh, that's a sexy or sexual thing. But actually it's ridiculous because you don't see someone eating their dinner using their tongue and go, oh, I use my tongues to snog someone. Oh, they're snogging their dinner. And, you know, when you kiss someone on the cheek, you don't, it's not the same depending on who you're touching. And when a baby is sucking on your nipple, it is not the same as when your partner is sucking on your nipple. It doesn't feel the same. It doesn't, you know, create the same emotions in you the same feelings it is not sexual and I think that can I just say it's been very difficult to (laughs) contemplate anything or anyone sucking a nipple since I've had children back to you (laughs) which is another issue which you have to get to is how you reclaim your own body for yourself Um, but I just wanted to share with you two because she wrote this poem it's quite long but I just thought it was brilliant talking about how it feels as a woman sat on a public toilet trying to breastfeed and um, being shamed into doing that it's called embarrassed I thought it was okay. I could understand the reasons. They said there might be a man or a nervous child seeing this small piece of flesh that they weren't quite expecting. So I whispered and tiptoed with nervous discretion. But after six months of her life sat sitting on lids, sipping on milk, nostrils sniffing on piss, trying not to bang her head on toilet roll dispensers, I wonder whether these public loo feeds offend her. It's a beautiful piece of work and you see all these incredible images of women breastfeeding which you just don't in the world. When I got told off by a grumpy man once for feeding my son in public, um, I just snapped and I was and he was like, Well, you know, there's a there's a toilet, there's a bathroom down there. I was like, Well, are you gonna eat your lunch in the bog, mate? I mean I just was like, you know, why do we think it's okay? Also just don't look (laughs) pumping. You know, it is not offensive to watch a baby. But be but, but don't look. I mean, if you I'm find it offensive, just don't look. Many 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 women at that point in their lives when they're probably feeling more vulnerable than ever could actually talk to that man like that. You know, and say, mate, yeah. you go and eat your lunch in the loo. Totally. So high five, babes. Well, if yeah. this empowers any woman out there who might be listening, or any man, if there's a, for the for the three men who are listening to this podcast, mm. um, to think about, you know, but it is it's a public education thing, isn't it, Kate? If we don't see people doing it if we don't normalize breastfeeding then it's going to continue to be this taboo thing and there are myriad societal economic financial business political reasons why breastfeeding is becoming increasingly taboo and uncommon and let's just think again one percent of british babies are still exclusively breastfed at six months 0.5%. 0.5%. 0.5%? Oh, my goodness. So whatever the stats are, they're shockingly low, and that is not a criticism of any British mother who has decided, for whatever reason, not to do it. I'm sorry. I've I think we just heard sound effects. The sound effects. Right, Kate's that was baby. baby just landing... Pulling up his feet. Landing one in his nappy, and I looked at Leanna, and she was looking at this, like, sound equipment, like, hold on, what's that noise of some interference? And I'm like, yeah. I think on that note, we'll let these little babes go back to their boobs and their nappies and their lives. Um, I, I did have things to get off my breast, but in all honesty, we've covered it. I was going to talk about just how nobody tells you how confusing and complicated it can be it doesn't have to be but it can be um and how i wish there was more support for women out there so it was very much crossed over with yours clemmy um and i think again just to end we've kind of stressed this all the way throughout but it's about choice we want women to have choice if you choose to formula feed if you choose not to breastfeed or if you can't breastfeed that's no problem it's totally fine but if you want to there should be that support out there and reach out because you might you never know there might be other women out there or even other men who can offer you that support and he'll be there and he might surprise you and come through with some little pearls of wisdom or even just a shoulder to cry on speaking about pearls actually pandora sykes who's in our 
DIY WhatsApp group, she told me about Lansano Therapearls and they were hot and cold compresses that you put either in the microwave or the freezer. Shout out to them. They literally saved me in the first few weeks. Okay, that's Where's a good that's a good point, Clemmy, because I think actually before we go, can we do so I want one purchase that you've been lucky enough to be able to afford to buy, but if people can afford to them that have really helped you. So you said the the, so the Lansano Therapearls, which are about a tenner, are absolutely extraordinary. I didn't have them the first time around. Pandora suggested them this time around. They are um, little pearls of something that are purple and you can either put them in the freezer or you can put them in the microwave or both. Um, I ended up buying two packs so that I could have one in the freezer at all time and then sometimes I use them. Sometimes you want hot and sometimes you want cold mm. and they fit around the boob and they go inside your bra and they just provide instant relief from engorged boobs. I mean, we haven't even talked about when your milk comes in and all that craziness. <laughs> and growth spurts. That's so much, so much. So that, and I have to say, I've got an amazing pump, which has absolutely made it possible for me to keep breastfeeding, which is the Medella, oh, I don't know what it's called, but it's a double electric Medella pump. But I was super lucky that I could afford that and not everyone can. Kate, have you got any um, uh, purchase that really helped you? Well... <laughs> You know, I, I haven't he, I haven't expressed or given him a bottle of my express milk or anything. I actually haven't really bought anything around breastfeeding, but I've got one top tip. Yes. DIY top tip, which someone gave me along the way, is that before they latch on and after, just use a bit of your free breast milk and rub it on your nipple before they latch on. And then when they come off as well, just put a bit of your breast milk onto your nipple and it works wonders. Amazing. Because okay. it's, you know, it's got its own, it's got its own antibiotic in there. And know. actually breast milk can clear a baby's nose as well. You can squeeze it up their nose. I'm just gather that later. Put it, Put it everywhere. Rub everywhere. around everywhere. it. Rub miracle about. elixir. Honestly, I think it removes wrinkles too. <laughs> that one's a lie. Um, I'm going to share mine. I've got a purchase and the best advice tip that I was given. Purchase is if you do decide to pump, um, which can make life a little bit easier sometimes, should you choose to, if you want to express milk. Um, there, I use the hospital grade pumps you have to rent them they are 40 quid a month so again you have to be able to afford that Cheap but if you can it. yeah and if you can um it's amazing they literally pump your boobs out in like 15 minutes and also you can get with that what i'm wearing right now whipping out her back which kind of looks like a bondage bra but it's basically a bandeau bra and it's got holes in it and it's um it's from medella and basically you put your double pump in it and you are hands free because the bra holds the pumps in place and then you can play with your baby or use your phone or do some work or whatever and you basically forget you're pumping which is nice um my best advice i was given um was by this amazing lactation consultant um who again i was lucky enough to be able to afford who came over and she basically her Beth Graham thank you very much Beth she basically said try and make your each feed as, as big a feed as you can so when she'd fall asleep on the boob or you know got distracted just try and encourage her so I woke her up gently tickle the feet or go and give them a nappy change change the scene so try and make the feed a bit bigger and then they last a little bit longer to the next one which gives you a bit of a break so that was my I top, got top really tip good advice actually from a lactating consultant too um who said <laughs> eat all the things you want to eat. Eat like all mm. the chocolate, all the biscuits. You need the blood sugar. You need the sugar to make the milk. And I I'm love that advice. At my baby's size, and they do look it's like they've been made of chocolate cake, don't they? <laughs> they are phenomenal oh, size. We are, you know, side note, there's so much pressure for women to that dreaded phrase bounce back after pregnancy, which is just such bullshit. Can we call time, please, on 
a woman's body having to be anything other than just revered after she's given birth. But um, I think so many people are like also worrying about like getting their figures back and oh, I better not, you know, have that extra piece of cake. That cake is going to help with your milk supply. Mm. I mean, you know, that the, that biscuit, you know, if you can just sit on the sofa and eat whatever you want in those first few weeks. Chew the card. While you are establishing feeding. That's, my, that's the actual expression that my obstetrician said. She said there's a reason that farmers don't want their cows to to run around they want them to create nice juicy fatty milk so just do what they do and lie about and chew the cud literally <laughs> just graze um kate before we go you have a documentary coming out which delves into all these issues and more i do i do a shameless plug in the spirit of breastfeeding but we um because when i started breastfeeding and encountered all of these issues i just thought you know look it's really important that we see people breastfeeding more you know we've got to get it out there in the media we've made a film about breastfeeding and that is going to be on the box during national breastfeeding week and you can watch it online if you go to for all it's called breastfeeding uncovered ladies let's all whip them out on world breastfeeding week and, and be proud if you want to even if you're not breastfeeding just whip them out anyway free the nipple if you see any woman breastfeeding out and about just give them a big lovely warm smile yeah because it's not easy it's not. Thank you so much, ladies, to both of you and to your lovely little babes who are just absolutely Thanks for amazing. Us get them on the breast. Oh, yeah. And thank you also to my co host, Emma, who very, very generously agreed for us to do this breastfeeding special, even though breastfeeding isn't really her remit. So thank you very much also to Emma. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.